looking back. Women are looking at four-day work weeks, three-day work weeks, or positions that won't require more responsibility, longer hours, or travel. The pressures of child-rearing, coupled with a corporate culture that doesn't fulfill them in ways the women who went before them perhaps hoped it would, are too great to be ignored. And it's not just the most privileged women who are seeking a different course. Middle-class women with varying levels of education and ambition are scaling back, stopping at middle management, going through the motions, while they seek that elusive balance they crave. Women's influence and power haven't changed much since Belkin published her article in 2003. Among the Fortune 500, women hold just 14.4% of executive officer positions and just 16.1% of all board seats. In terms of fair pay, the gender-based wage gap is currently stuck at 77%, and it's even greater for working mothers, who earn, on average, just 72.5% of what men earn. I was particularly curious about what was happening at home that might be impeding women's advancement. There's a wealth of materials available that examine the workplace barriers women face and what can be done about them. But why was it that men seemed less encumbered by housework and child care? And what impact did that have on women at work? We can't do it all, especially when we're so busy doing the dishes. And besides, aren't men, like women, longing for more time with their families? More time to pursue interests other than work? Are women really better suited to stocking the pantry shelves, folding the items in the linen closet, and chauffeuring the kids than their husbands are? The more I talked with women breadwinners, however, the more I realized I was asking the wrong question. It doesn't matter why the disparities exist as much as it matters what we do about them. How can women cope with the realities of modern breadwinning? What happens when women give up their goals and their earning potential to manage their households? How do women manage all the juggling, tension, and exhaustion? Are women rationalizing their decision to cut back at work as well as their spouse's decision not to? And at what cost? Some women assert that their actions have saved their marriage from failure. Others avow that dedicating themselves to their home life is more fulfilling than anything else they may have been doing. And many find a new home for their talents by pursuing a hobby, volunteering, or starting a work-from-home business. It's important that women talk about these decisions. There was a scene in the first season of the popular primetime drama, Desperate Housewives, in which the wives find their friend Lynette in the middle of a soccer field crying about what a bad mother she thinks she is. Her friends comfort her by sharing their own insecurities and reassuring her they feel the same way. Relieved she is not alone, Lynette sobs. Why didn't you ever tell me this? We should tell each other this stuff. Sharing with other women, knowing we're not the only ones who are experiencing our feelings and challenges, is important. As we give voice to what is happening in our lives, we can address the challenges, make more informed decisions, 
and change what isn't working. And changes are needed. A study from the London School of Economics showed divorce rates are lower in marriages where husbands help with housework. A Gallup poll revealed that women who are full-time homemakers but want to be employed have an increased risk of depression. And beyond individual relationships and health, women's workforce participation has important implications for the economy, too. Implications husbands should pay attention to, as well as CEOs and shareholders. According to the management consulting firm McKinsey & Company, women are a key to the United States sustaining its historic gross domestic product, GDP, growth rate of 3%. And it's been well documented in research from Catalyst and Credit Suisse that women improve both productivity